good to be with you this morning. Thanks for coming and worshiping again with us. I'm Father Sean McCain-Tiras. I'm the rector of this church. And if you are new here, this is your first time here, I welcome you. We all welcome you. We're so glad that you're here with us this morning. Um, if you have ever been in a crisis, like a timely sort of crisis, where something is wrong, something is, is like in danger, or something's at stake, and there's not a lot of time, you have uh, felt the sort of anxiety that maybe you can that you've heard in this gospel reading, this parable of this desperate widow, right? I, I, I don't know if I've, I've never been a widow, and I've never in some ways been able to identify and sort of experience maybe what this person in the parable was experiencing, but like, I've been on hold on an 800 number for something for hours and been like, there's got to be a better way. I've been, we've been in situations, that's a joke, I mean I have, but that, not to make light of that thing, but we've all been in those moments where we've been waiting, and we've been in need, and we've been desperate, and there's a crisis in our hands, um, and we don't have all day, and we feel the pinch, where we, we really need to reach out and get help. We need God to hear us. We need someone to see what we're going through and reach out a hand to help us. And I know that um, in those moments, if you're anything like me, prayer might be one of the last things you think to do. No, just me. I, so for some reason, in those moments, I try with all of my might to do everything that I can, that I have agency to do, to fix or resolve the problem, and prayer seems to be sort of the last resort. Well, I've tried everything else. Maybe I should ask God for help. I know I'm a terrible Christian, but I'm just being honest. This is typically how it goes for me, and I'm learning, but prayer can be so difficult to actually enter into and do. It's actually not rocket science, right? Crying out to God for help. But remembering and actually practicing and getting on your knees and praying into what feels like the abyss sometimes when you're alone, sending like a, a note hoping someone catches it, it can feel like this sometimes, hoping that God sees you and hasn't he already seen what I'm going through? Why is this prayer going to change anything? Have you ever been in a situation like that? This morning, our readings give us a, a really refreshing idea, I think, uh, for prayer, for what our lives of prayer might look like. And the point of uh, the thing that sort of fuels and energizes this re- refreshed view of prayer is not so much what we do or how we say it, um, but actually who God is and what he cares about. And I think if we get a glimpse of those things, we start to get a refreshment about how we might enter into prayer. In Genesis I'm going to show you uh, sort of some of the themes here in the text. In Genesis 22, we have this really strange story of Jacob wrestling with a man in the wilderness, right? This man that he realizes is God himself. He's on his way to reconcile with his brother Esau, with his, uh, his two wives and his 11 maids and all of this cattle and this wealth to make things right with his brother. And he sends them all ahead, but he remains back and he wrestles some kind of like out of nowhere, Jacob's wrestling with this man and says, I'm not letting go, basically. I'm not giving up with wrestling with you until you bless me. And what's your name, by the way? And so Jacob finally does get the blessing. He walks away with a leg injury, but, I, you know, he's, he's alive. He even says, I've come face to face with God and I still live. What's that about? What does that teach us about our life of prayer? Psalm 122, or 21, that we just prayed together, is about the sure help of God that we have in our times of need. I look, I raise up my eyes, look to the hills. Where does my help come from? Oh, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then in his uh, letter, his second letter to Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy saying, hey, stay on message. 
Don't give up on the proclamation of the gospel. Remember what you know from scripture, from those who have taught you the faith. Hold fast to the faith and announce it. Keep announcing it. Keep reminding people of the truth. The salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. That is still true even when things are difficult. Even when things are difficult. And then finally we have this passage in Luke 18 where Jesus gives this parable. I want to kind of walk through this again just so we can see, remember some of the details of this thing. In verse 1, um, Jesus says, it says, Scripture says, Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. I love it when parables start with like, here's the point of the parable, right? You don't have to have, you know, a PhD to figure this one out. I love it when Scripture cuts to the chase like this. Because sometimes with Jesus' parables, you're like, what? Um, I would have certainly been in this case with this widow parable had they not given such a, a clear answer. But Jesus sets it up this way to, to, to uh, encourage them in their life of prayer. And he describes the story of a widow who pesters an unjust judge. Persistently coming to get her justice for him to rule in her favor. And you have to understand, widows in the ancient world were some of the most vulnerable, powerless, marginalized people in society. Prone to exploitation and poverty, destitution. This is the the woman that Jesus chooses for his illustration. She has no connections. She doesn't have like friends who know people who know people. She doesn't have resources that we might actually be very comfortable with having or get used to having. She has no plan B. Imagine yourself, in a, maybe you've been in a place like this. And she suffers not only the crime that was committed against her, but she's suffering even further that justice isn't being given to her by the person who should be giving it. Do your job, bro, right? You got one job, it's to deliver justice, judge. And this person is not doing it. In fact, Scripture describes this judge um, in terms exactly opposite of the greatest commandment that we just read. Love God, love your neighbor. The judge is described as like, could care less about God and has no respect for people. Right? Did you notice this? It's the inverse of that commandment. That's who she's dealing with. So this widow is her only advocate and she's up against someone who is the exact opposite of just. She's on her own. Where can she lift up her eyes to look for help? All she has is her persistence and this piece of work, this judge who doesn't do his job. So Jesus chooses this marginalized, powerless widow to make a point about how to wrestle with God in prayer. Is God like this judge? No. So why is Jesus painting a picture of an unjust judge? Why not make him a good judge? God is nothing like the judge in this story. Um, but this parable, it's, it's offered in a kind of like, how much more then sort of way. Does this make sense? Like, if this is the case, man, it couldn't get any worse than this, right? And this widow was so persistent that she was able to still find justice just by annoying this guy to death, right? It's, in, in Greek, it's actually, he was afraid of getting a black eye punched below the eye, sort of literally how it translates in Greek. So if this is, in this worst case of a situation, how much more then should you persevere in prayer with your heavenly Father who is just, who is good, who loves you and is concerned about the things that are on your heart? How much more, Jesus sort of doubles down, doubles down, 
how much more persistent then should you be? If this widow is this persistent in this scenario, how much more persistent should you be, disciples? This is a really good word for all of those who put their trust in Jesus and find themselves trapped, suffering, alone, powerless. This is a good word for us who maybe be in that place, maybe have been in that place, that God sees where you're at and what you need, and you should not let up until he hears your prayer. Don't give up. For those of you who speak up about things not right in the world, about injustices, about the treatment of certain people, those who confront evils and evil systems and broken things in the world, you know, it gets exhausting to do that because you just, it feels like you're always running into a brick wall, right? Like nothing's ever going to change. And there's a sense of despair or just sheer exhaustion that may come over you for speaking up. It's a good word for those of us that find themselves in that place too. God sees those things too. And don't let up in prayer until he addresses them. He's made the promise to make those things right. So keep, persistently keep speaking up in prayer to your heavenly father. And don't lose heart. Don't grow weary. God sees where we are. He sees the situations, the tough spots that we might be in. He sees the broken things in the world. He knows those needs even before we know those needs. And he is working for our good. And I know that, you know, honestly, if I was sitting where you're sitting and I heard me say that, I'd be like, yeah, dude, okay. That's easy to say. That's so easy to say. We've been told this our whole lives, that God sees us, that he's working for our good. Well, where is he? Have you seen what I've been going through? Have you seen the stuff that's been going on? How is it that God could exist and be good and let this all happen this way? Have you ever felt this way? So much easier to say than to actually put your trust and your faith in, right? But I think that um, if I can just sort of share from my own experience, my relationship with God, in that space of frustration, you find a new way to pray, actually. And not a nice way to pray. For years, I grew up thinking, well, you got to pray like these guys with the robes and out of the book and don't say the wrong words and make sure you're nice, like yes, ma'am and yes, sir, and like manners, right? That kind of thing. And it wasn't until I'm at the bedside of a, of a, a dear friend's one-month-old infant in a hospital in San Francisco, the child is supposed to die, that I march in there like kind of without, I have no idea what to say, how to pray, but I know that I'm going to pray the socks of this thing. If there's any time to pray, you know that these moments where you're like, I'm, oh, I'm coming for you now, Lord. If there's a time to pray, you're going to hear from me now. And I remember being in this, in this hospital in San Francisco, kneeling next to this infant and saying, God, I'm your child. This is your child. You made promises to us. Where are those promises now? Lord, I'm a priest. This wasn't even my idea. So if I have any say in your church, any power that you've given me, I'm calling it all in right now for this child. And I'm, I'm sharing with you the words that are coming out of my mouth because I think learning to pray like that, you just kind of have to hear it from somebody. And there's probably a lot of irreverence, a lot of sort of like plain speaking going on in that prayer. But can I just tell you, God, is, uh, God can handle that. He's a big boy. Like, you will not hurt his feelings. 
God can handle if you really just speak freely and give him a piece of your mind. Tell him what you're really thinking. Use that frustration, that hurt. Cry out for help. Have you read the Psalms? That's 90% of the Psalms is saying, where are you now, God? My enemies surround me. I'm at the pit of death. Do you not see what's happening? Are you asleep? Send your help. And if you're anything like me, you may have thought for years, like, well, don't get on God's bad side. Don't talk to him like that. No, you have permission to speak freely to the Lord. Use the wrong words. See what happens. I bet you won't be as bad as you think, and you might find God wrestling in that very place with you. Friends, we can pray boldly, not because we have earned the right to pray boldly, to speak plainly, or because we know the right words. We've been to church long enough. We know how to do this thing. I'm going to use those like special $10 pastor words, you know. That's not why we can pray boldly. And it's also not because we're holy. I mean, look at me. I pray boldly and I am not holy. Those are not the reasons. Those are not the basis. That's not where our footing is when we approach God with boldness. Our footing and the reason that we can do this in the first place is because we have a high priest in Jesus Christ. An advocate and a mediator. Like we pray every Sunday in the liturgy. Jesus Christ. And Hebrews tells us, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Some boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Because we have Jesus Christ, a high priest who has ascended to the Father even now, advocating, whispering, speaking prayers on our behalf, working for our good. We are not alone in our prayer. And we can approach the throne with boldness, with plain speaking, and let God have an earful of it because we pray not on our, not on our own, but in Christ and with Christ and with Christ's people. Amen? What would this do if we believed this? How would your prayer life change now? The things that are really on your mind and on your heart, the things you suffer. If you knew the access you had, what would that change about your prayer life now? Would you pray persistently, stubbornly? Would you you not let up? Would you maybe even seek to annoy God a little bit with your petitions? Nope, I'm here again, Lord. I'm not letting up on this. I need you to hear me on this. I wonder what he would do with that kind of faith. We have as this unprecedented, almost unimaginable access to the Father who created the heavens and the earth. This is where our help comes from. Do you believe this? I hear myself asking that question thinking, I don't, I want to believe that. I think if I did believe that, man, I'd be praying. Boy, I'd be praying. And we have this hope in Jesus Christ, in the resurrection of the dead, in the new heavens and the new earth, that Jesus is making all things new. We know, we know this is how it will resolve. We know this. Do we know this? Do we believe this? How might that ending transform the way that we persistently pray now Jesus is not only our advocate our intercessor but he is also the just judge 
He is good and righteous and true. And he has also become the poor widow for our sake. Persistently working for our good, interceding for our good on our behalf at the right hand of the Father. See how those parables are always revealing something about Jesus when he gives them to us? I'm going to keep telling you guys that because it's important. Our prayers, because of all this, they never stand alone. They're never sort of on our own. They're never just some sort of religious wish that we throw out into the universe. This is a conversation that we're having with someone who deeply loves us, who sees us, and is just and right and good. Our prayers, even in the prayers of the people, when we all stand up, y'all, this is one of the most important things we do on Sunday, is to stand in solidarity together and to pray together. And not because you guys are like beautiful, godly, wonderful people, Is this effective? But as standing as the body of Christ, we offer these prayers in Christ, through Christ, by the power of the Spirit to the Father. You are involved in a Trinitarian action. What power you have, church, to name the wounds of the world and the wounds among you and say, Lord, would you bring healing? How might your prayer life change if you really believe this? Maybe maybe we would be so bold um, as to, re- to really pray as if it really matters, that this is really true, that God is making all things new, and that we call on him to fulfill that promise boldly. Friends, every Sunday, I hope you can come in here, and I hope when you go home, when you enter prayer again, I hope that you have a little bit more of an edge to your prayer life, where you can be honest with God, really honest, that you can remind him that you are his child, that he found you, And that he has made promises to you. And that he has sent his son for you. And he has filled you with his spirit. So Lord, this is all of your action on my behalf. I'm so grateful. Thank you, Lord. And now here's what I'm going to pester you about. Because of your love for us, this is what I'm going to ask you for. And in your persistence, do not lose hope. You may be praying and praying and praying with what seems like no end in sight. There may be no relief to the things that you suffer in this life. And you may find yourself in this long-suffering place. But even in that place, you can entrust your life and the thing that you're praying about to the God who loves us. He knows. He suffers with you. He's not standing far from you saying, well, good luck with that. He is with us in our long-suffering. He grieves with us in the things that we grieve. And we can trust that he is working for our good. We know this because we see Jesus. That's who he is. So let's not lose hope in praying. Don't grow weary. You might have to choose to believe with the church that our help comes from the Lord. It may not be something you want to do or you feel like doing. But again and again, this church will stand and choose once again to believe. Our help comes from the Lord. We're going to keep crying out to him. So friends... Where are you today? Take your life as you have it. What are the things that are worrying you and burdening you and aging you maybe and tiring you out? The things that you suffer. How might you bring those to the Lord with boldness even today, right now? And for those of you who more identify with the widow, those who are suffering, marginalized, powerless, how might the church pray on their behalf for their good and even be an instrument of that goodness and justice that God desires for them as well. 
let's hold this all together as a church, open to one another, but before the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to show us those things right now. Let's take a moment.